Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener on our private feed where you'll have ad-free episodes and join us in Zoom meetups to meet other listeners of our podcast community. Go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes. I think that stuck with me in a different context of just doing the thing, you often learn more than like reading about it or researching or taking classes in the thing. Three, two, one. My name is Esprit Devora, host of the Women in Tech show. The show means a lot to me. The reason why I wanted to create the Women in Tech show is I wanted to create a positive piece of content, something where people can listen and say, if she can do it, so can I. I am Mike Veldhuis, business owner of the Dutch IT company Nalta and podcaster from the Netherlands. I just love the Women in Tech podcast by the talented Esprit Devora. It's made with passion and creativity. It gives insight into the world of inspirational women from all around the globe. But most of all, it's fun to listen to. Esprit Devora truly is the girl who gets it done. To connect and collaborate with extraordinary women in tech around the world, remember to go to the Women in Tech Facebook group at womenintechvip.com. That's womenintechvip.com. The best business resource I have is my mentor's private Facebook group. I've never found a community that cares more about one another's success. It inspired me to create the same thing for podcasters. If you're a tech company or startup looking to grow your podcast audience, I created GetPodcastListeners.com, a private group specifically to discover how other podcasters have grown their audiences. So we could do the same. Check out GetPodcastListeners.com. That's GetPodcastListeners.com. the Women in Tech podcast, celebrating women in tech around the world. So excited for our next guest, Erin, coming at us from Houston, Texas. Welcome to the show. Thanks. I'm so excited to be here. I'm excited to have you here. So let's jump right into it because I'm sure so many people are going to be just jaw dropping inspired that you do all the deep science technical things at NASA. So first of all, tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Sure. So my official job title is I'm a science communication specialist. And basically what that means is I'm a storyteller for the science and specifically for the science aboard the International Space Station. So my background is mechanical engineering. I kind of went a path through journalism and then settled in this weird combo of the two. Um, But it's an amazing world to be in. And when did you first discover technology? When did you first become curious? I think that the first thing I really discovered was making, and I always loved making stuff, whether it was like uh, using a sewing machine, which is a piece of technology too, and making my own Halloween costumes or Legos, um, or whether it's making my own like movies and doing editing in middle school, making some horrible, you know, the music videos for fun. Um, And so I think it kind of became a part of that. I also grew up in a family in Florida that really appreciated and loved space. I, I, grandfather worked on uh, Apollo program and the shuttle program. So I was in a family that was always immersed in this world of technology and space. Did you find it daunting when you first started or did you find it was your natural language to communicate in? 
It definitely takes some learning. I think I had a benefit because I went mechanical engineering first, and then I kind of moved more into the professional communicator role, even though I always enjoyed both. So I think that that was really helpful because I really had that runway where I was able to learn the technical language and stuff from the ground up in college. So yeah, of course, yes. I I think the thing that's most intimidating is now I have to learn the language of so many areas of science because the space station is biology, it's robotics, it's everything. Taking that experience of learning this technical world and applying it to all these other areas of science too. Can you walk us through your day-to-day? What does your normal workday look like? Like what kind of activities do you work on is what I mean. Yeah, sure. So it's it's a range of things, but of course, I'm sure everyone always says every day is different, but uh, some of the stuff that I do is I manage um, the feature stories that get published um, for and everything about space station results, things that are launching. So sometimes I'm doing the writing myself, sometimes I'm doing the digging up stories, sometimes I'm doing the editing. I also run the um, Twitter account, ISS underscore research, has over a million followers, recently just crossed that milestone, so that was exciting. I'm sharing all things. That's really exciting. So sharing all things, you know, station science and social media. I also contribute to a lot of other different NASA social channels, trying to get the station science out there wherever possible. And then doing just a lot of other communication support, whether it's strategy or um, sometimes it's writing talking points for the astronauts for an upcoming downlink event, something like that. So a smattering of other communications things surrounding those two main pillars. What do you do when you come against an obstacle? And how do you overcome it? How do you not let the obstacles kind of get the best of you and you kind of like take a step back and think, I got this? Yeah, I think sometimes it's, Sometimes it's the scientific approach. I wear those like two two hats, you know, the scientist and like the communicator. I think sometimes it's the the scientist who takes like a look at everything that's out there, kind of like gets a look at the data and really takes like a, a good look at what where things really stand and not getting like overwhelmed by emotion, that sort of thing, the, the calculated sort of thing. Right. And that's like a mix of the left and right brain. And then the other part of me is just like you know, looking back at the past problems I've had and maybe comparing this obstacle to one of those, trying to like think back to lessons learned and making it a little bit more manageable. And sometimes, you know, dividing it into chunks sort of thing and uh, making the problem seem a little less daunting. Do you have an example for us, something that you successfully overcame in your work life? It's a good question. You know, I think from more of a, a technical perspective, sometimes it's just really getting faced with something that I have like no experience with. For example, like the first time I ever had to learn about like, you know, stem cells on the space station and how they like respond to microgravity, like taking on this really big technical topic that, you know, someone with a mechanical engineering background, no experience in, but I want to help the public be able to really understand this in a way that's not overwhelming. So it's a lot of, for me, looking at the resources that are out there and like, you know, I, part of the, you know, this technical background is lo- knowing how to be able to read through whether it's a scientific paper or report and knowing how to pull information out. And then it's knowing when to actually go ask the experts uh, and hear it in their own words. And then ask my colleagues who have experience doing the same sort of thing. Luckily, I work on the same team that um, the results team works on. So there's a lot of really awesome PhDs and subject matter experts who know this stuff. And I can then help kind of like translate what they Um, they tell me and then translate that for the general public. So usually it's, you know, drawing on a lot of those outside resources uh, and taking advantage of of the people that that know this better. And then I can become the the expert in that area too. What kind of mentorship have you had throughout your journey? Who would you say has been a key mentor figure? I'm blessed to have like five internships. 
um, during my, my college career. And one of the things that internships do is put you in a really great position to be able to find mentors, especially if you take the initiative and network while you're in those places. You know you're only there for three months or four months, whatever the semester is, and people are really willing to help. At least that's the experience I had. I have one specific mentor that I've stayed really close with. Her name's Kat, and I met her at my internship at Solar Turbines, which is a, a subsidiary of Caterpillar, working on the manufacturing floor. She was actually the person who interviewed me for the internship. And then when I went and got there, just kind of took me under her wing and gave me a lot of advice, whether it was for working on the manufacturing floor to actually interacting with you know, my other coworkers, especially for people that aren't necessarily engineers. We've actually stayed in touch all the way since then. And she was the uh, officiant at my wedding, coincidentally, too. So and I have to give huge credit to the Society of Women Engineers. That was the best uh, networks that I found and uh, was how we originally connected. And how can people listening get involved in the Society of Women Engineers? Well, depending on what level of your career you're at, if you're in college, there's so many collegiate chapters out there. I start joined as a freshman and it was like, I kind of like rose through it and with the same group of people. And for me, it was really interesting because you get to meet engineers from a lot of different areas because, you know, sometimes you get siloed into your mechanical or your chemical areas. But if you're beyond that, there's also um, regional chapters, um, professional chapters. A lot of even larger companies have uh, Society of Women Engineers chapters specifically at them. And I highly recommend going to the national conference if you want to get more involved or find out more about those resources. That's where I got at least two of my internships um, that actually going to the career fair there. I got a number of scholarships there as well, which helped me pay for my, my college career. So huge credit to them and highly recommend. You've brought up internships quite abundantly, and it's something that recurs in our episodes where internships played a key role in being able to establish future opportunities. How did you go about finding your internships? Did you look on the bulletin board at your school as some of our guests have done? What was your process? Yeah, it was a mix. So I had an internship like every summer. So my first one was I didn't get it at all the traditional places, but I wanted one after my freshman year. So I went at my hometown uh, from Tampa, Florida. I went and found a small local engineering place and made a connection there. And they let me work, you know, a few days a week at minimum wage to be able to just have an internship on my resume and be able to get that experience. I was doing, you know, technical reports for a structural engineering company. So not the most amazing, you know, gig on paper, but I really enjoyed it. And coincidentally, it combined my interests of writing and engineering, even if it wasn't exactly where my career was going. But that gave me the opportunity to be able to have something on my resume to really pitch for the years later. So after that, I found two through the Society of Women Engineers, um, one through my school's career fair. And then the last one, which was actually after I graduated at The Economist in London, it was my first journalism internship, I applied online. So, you know, the way that everyone says you never get it, but the one that was probably the most career-defining one for me, yeah, just straight submitted an application and it ended up working out. (laughs) Wow. Just wow. I think, you know, (laughs) that, that cliche quote, like, whether we believe something is possible or we don't believe something is possible, we're right. <laughs> yeah, something there you, you know go. What talking about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Whatever you think, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> totally. um, and you were able to get the opportunity. Who is your network now? Like when you run across a problem, would you say it's the management at your company, like on your team? Who do you go to when you're looking to climb to the next level and surpass your own abilities? Yeah, I'd say I, have I should two say your own groups. current abilities. 
Yeah. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I have two main groups and one is probably the network of women in STEM that I've met through Instagram. Um, I do a lot of science communication work on social media on TikTok and Instagram. And I, I have to start saying TikTok now. I'm used to saying Instagram for a while, but yeah. there's some amazing women out there that have just, I, I really admire and do such a great job on like, whether it's, you know, finding new gigs to host TV shows or like pushing the boundaries of different forms of science communication. And I've met so many of them just purely through posting and interacting with them on there that now when I travel to cities, I feel like I have so many people that I can just go meet up with and have coffee. So that's probably number one. And number two, I would say I actually work at a NASA contractor. So that's one of the things that a lot of people don't know is that the a huge amount of the people that work at NASA actually work at contracting companies. So even though I work on site, you know, at Johnson Space Center, um, I work at a different company. And the community at that company, Barrios Technology, has been pretty uh, pretty amazing. The communications team that I'm on with, I have two other women that are just totally rocking it. And like they, we all have just such a great like mind meld and, and all of, they're the people I go to for sure whenever I need to run a, a new idea by them, need to figure out who I need to go to and within the NASA ranks to try to get something approved or pitch something new. So I think it's a combo of those two. Do you know Tiffin Tech and It's That Lady Dev? No, I don't actually. <laughs> Those are two must follows on Instagram. It's that lady okay. Dev and Tiffin Tech. They're amazing. I'll have women to go check tech. them out. I love how you utilize social media in a way that's very thoughtful and unifying because sometimes social media can be not a very connective experience, more like this photoshopped world. Can you give uh -huh. us suggestions on how we could enhance our use of social? How you use it in a more empowering way to elevate us rather than just distract us and feed us dopamine drips. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Um, so for me, it's been interesting. Like TikTok has been kind of an evolution to this for me, but Instagram, I think one of the things a lot of people do is they just, they post content and they don't interact with content very much. And for me, it's been you know, I think some people interact with content for the purpose of growing and not for the purpose of actually making a meaningful connection. Because like a lot of the tips are, if you really want to grow, you got to like look at hashtags, interact with the top 50 things on that like hashtag. And like all of that is for sure true. But if you think about it more in that, I really want to get to know this person and I want to befriend this person, it changes the way that you interact. And sometimes it's whether it's replying to their story when something really meaningful is happening, providing a comment, that you would like you would to a friend, it makes those friendships blossom more naturally. On TikTok, I think it's been a similar process, but when you're on a new platform, and I think you're big on Clubhouse, so you can probably speak to this as well, is like when you're on a new platform, there's other people that are experimenting with this new platform at the same time and finding those same people that are like really interested in like learning the ins and outs of it and testing out a new place. There's often an interesting way to form those bonds that you might not on a place that is oversaturated with content and people have been putting stuff out there a long time. So I'll give like credit, like Astro um, Kirsten and like Alex Dennis on TikTok who make like genetics content and amazing like astrophysics content seeing the stuff that they're doing has been like really inspiring to me and it's been super fun to be able to interact with them and see the type of formats and videos that do really well for them on the platform too and we'll include their handles in the show notes as well can you say them again just in case so everybody could write them down right now and again we'll include the links in the show notes yeah astro kirsten and alex danis um i'll I, I'll, I'll get those links over to you for sure Amazing. And what's a piece of advice that you've gotten along your journey that has really uh, stuck with you? I think that 
one of the, I'll, I'll give one of the pieces of advice I got in college, which was originally something we haven't really talked about. I, I started my own business while I was in college and I was really debating getting a, like a minor in entrepreneurship or just like starting my own business and seeing what happened. And the piece of advice I got was you'll learn more starting your own company than getting a minor or sometimes even a major in something. And so I think that stuck with me in a different context of just doing the thing. You often learn more than like reading about it or researching or taking classes in the thing. So whenever I really want to like learn about a new thing, whether it's a new social media platform we've talked about or a new language, whatever it is, going and doing the thing is really the way to build your skill set for sure. I'm thinking the answer is no, but to be sure, have you maintained your business now that you work at NASA? So I did for a long time. I ran for about five years. Um, I closed it down at the end of 2020 just because it was a science fashion business. I made 3D printed um, jewelry and I absolutely loved it, but I was ready to move on to new projects. It was one of the things, part of your career decisions, you kind of realize when you've tapped out, when you've wanted, when you go go on to the next project. And for me, I wanted to start making things for myself without the intent of earning money off of them for a little bit and just freeing myself from the business aspect, which has been really nice and freeing. And I've had a lot of fun and success with that. How did you balance the two? Okay, but not great. There's a reason I stopped. Um, (laughs) It was... It's a lot. Yeah. I mean, I'm always someone who likes to stay busy and have my own personal passions that kind of like overlap. So right now I'm not running that business, but I'm actually writing a uh, middle grade kids book with my husband, who's a sci-fi fantasy author. Um, I love doing the TikTok videos in my free time. I like having things that I can have a creative outlet for, but I don't necessarily have a a time pressure. I have the schedule that I have to keep. When I was dialing my business down, I made it more into that sort of mode and made it more of a creative outlet rather than something that I needed to, you know, have to, to fill 200 orders a month or something like that, which when I was running it more full-time, I you know, had more monetary constraints on it. I'm going to purposely be vague. I saw a news article today go out of a really prestigious woman who worked at a prestigious company, and she switched companies. And without knowing the situation exactly, I kind of understood why she would switch to this other company. And I wondered, man, you're so informed. I'm curious. This is just in my head. Why not have your own company? Why work for someone else? Why did you make that choice? Why the path you chose rather than your, I mean, having your own company for five years, that's a really long time. Can you walk us through kind of just like, how do we choose or when do we not choose and do both and now help us navigate through that? Yeah, there's a number of like things to plan to it. And I think part of it is like personal choices on what you enjoy, because when you run a business, there's a lot more to running a business than just the creative aspects of it. There's, you have to learn how to run QuickBooks. Totally. You have to hire someone who does. <laughs> you have to, you know, like balance your life in a very different way. Um, for me, I, right now at least, I really enjoy being able to learn things in my full-time job, have a steady paycheck, and then still be able to pursue my creative things on the side without the pressure of it being my living. I don't know if that'll be my choice long-term. I could see myself definitely starting a company and going off more in the future. But for now, you know, it's really nice to be able to 
for lack of a better way to say it, learn on someone else's dime too, you know, and like, you right. know, learn the science communication techniques, learn from people that are the experts without having to seek them out and like try to hire them into your company. You're in an, I mean, the space station has been up there for more than 20 years. These, this program has been happening for a long time and there's a lot of institutional expertise and people to learn from. And there's a lot of benefit in that. Of course, you know, there's different limits on your time and you have to plan accordingly. I moved to Houston, Texas to be able to work here, but I, I think there's a lot of personal choice is about like, where do I want to live? What do I really want to do with my time? And the great thing about working for a contractor is I work 40 hours a week and that's it. Like that's all we're allowed to work. So I really have a nice cutoff and I can block off that time to do all of these other things and do podcast interviews and great things like that. <laughs> I think the question to ask, and it's exactly what you're saying is what is the experience you'd like to have in your life? So I think when people go after a job, usually they're thinking about how much will I get paid and like, what is the work instead of yeah. what's the experience I'd like to have? There's so many of my friends, you know, starting out in life and they're, you know, trying to think about like, which job do I want or do I want to start my company? And I'm like, instead of looking at it as a job, look at which educational experience would you like to have? Like how Absolutely. cool is it that you get paid to learn? <laughs> like, yeah. Just a frame framework shift. Yeah. Absolutely. I think it I think and I think even as an entrepreneur, I brought this up on past episodes. A lot of times I've been a founder the entirety of my career for the most part. And in the beginning, I was like, I, I want to raise money from a fancy VC and I want to IPO and all these things. And then over time, I realized there's different types of companies. And I remember when I was walking on Google's campus, I thought, I don't want this level of responsibility. These are like yeah. a couple dudes that they have to deal with a lot. I don't want to deal yeah. with that much. <laughs> And yeah. that's when I decided I want a company that's always 10 people or less that is a lifestyle business. And I think that term lifestyle got applied to bloggers for a long time instead of just what lifestyle do you want to live? And it doesn't mean being a blogger. It just means it could mean having a job, but like is the job fit in the lifestyle that you'd like to have. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that yeah. you have to remember that picking that job doesn't have to be forever. You know, it can really be for that period of time that you feel like you get the most out mm -hmm. of it. You get the most learning, the interactions, build that network and you can move on to something else, you know? And yeah. right now it's, I mean, I nowhere else would I be able to like interact with astronauts pretty frequently and have the opportunity to be able to like have the insights into what's going on in the space station and see these amazing images that come down. It's like the access and the opportunities are like really incredible. My, my last job I worked before this was I worked as a journalist at MIT Technology Review and I really loved the ability to travel there and host panels and be a moderator. And, you know, the pre-COVID world of being able to travel like that was pretty amazing. So like, you know, I, I weighed what I really wanted at the time and that was something that, that was fantastic to do too. One kind of side question I'm going to ask. So I just met with this woman in Pakistan, this woman in tech, and she created a podcast because she was inspired by the Women in Tech podcast to feature women of color in tech. And I'm so excited Very for cool. her. I just think it's so cool. Since your previous career was a journalist and, and in the same space, can you give her some suggestions of what kinds of questions should she be asking? How can we empower her right now to celebrate women on that side of the world? Yeah, that's a fantastic question. 
my two roles where I were a space reporter and I was a future of work reporter. And I think the future of work one is one that applies to so many different areas. And I think that's always something that I'm usually interested to ask people about when I'm talking about technology is like, not just like the future of the workplace, but how that future of the workplace will affect careers and technology as a whole, whether it's artificial intelligence or diversity, you know, in, in that workplace. So whether it's talking about people's past experiences with that, but just what role technology will play in shaping, whether it's the, the diversity of the workforce and how we can leverage that to our advantage and not have it happen the other way where the technology might make things worse. Thank you. I appreciate it. I was sure. so excited to hear that this podcast inspired her. Doing the Women in Tech podcast for me, I'm hoping to create a domino effect. I think that might is the right term. I don't like the visual of it, like, because I don't want to be pushing people that I, I want the domino effect actually in reverse order. You know? Love it. Um, <laughs> I will serve the world well if I am empowering other people to also serve the world well, you know, and so yeah. hearing her story, it was just it was just awesome. And two last questions. One, what is your favorite tech tool? It can be software, website, mobile app. So I'll have to give a plug for the Spot the Station website. It's really cool. A lot of people don't realize you can see the space station just by walking outside and looking up. And you can sign up on this website and see when the space station is going to be flying over you at what time and where in the sky. And you can go out and see this glowing little dot go over you that you know that there's people up there orbiting the Earth. So I absolutely love that. It's so fun to be able to just get a text on your phone and be like, oh, it's time to go run out and see the astronauts fly over. <laughs> And last question, it's my favorite question I just started asking is, if you had one wish, what would that wish be? And what is currently blocking you from achieving that wish? This is a personal wish, like something that I, I want to happen. Or are we talking like solve world hunger level wish here? <laughs> no, so not solve world hunger, like personal okay. wish. I, I, I think a lot of um, women in especially aren't usually used to making like selfish w wishes and thoughts. No, about they're that. not. It drives me crazy. I yeah. always get that. I want to solve world hunger answer. I always get yeah. that one first. <laughs> I think what I say is I, I would really wish to be able to work on a project that makes as big of an impact as like the Bill Nye did of me uh, as a child. I think a lot of people always say, oh, so you want to be the next Bill Nye. It's like, no, I want to make this generation's version of that thing um, mm -hmm. and whatever the new iteration on that is. So my, my wish is to, I don't even have to be the public face of it, but to be able to work on a project that makes that level of impact on the next generation and being able to appreciate and understand science is such a huge wish for me. Um, and I think the thing standing in my way is I think I'm, I'm still working my way up there. I'm trying to branch into many new areas, whether now, like I said, I'm writing a middle grade kids book that's more targeted at that age group, trying to make more video on, on TikTok to be able to learn those skills. But I think I need to make more connections in um, those specific industries because I think still video and television is one of the best ways to influence. And I'm hoping to be able to, to extend in that in the next few years. And what's one connection that would help if you can make that connection that would propel you in the right direction? I think, first of all, anyone that's in more of like public media, like a PBS type thing or a Scholastic Books, you know, like that, that equivalent um, outlet that reaches that sort of audience or someone else that has a similar goal that wants to also push in that direction. You know, speaking of those amazing networks I find on Instagram, I'd love to be able to have more like-minded people that would also want to build something out and make that same type of impact. Incredible. Where can people connect with you? 
you can find me um, on all the social medias, uh, Instagram, Twitter, and um, uh, LinkedIn and TikTok at Erin Winnick, E-R-I-N-W-I-N-I-C-K. You can check out my website, erinwinnick.com. If you want to see some of the stuff that I do for the space station, check out um, at ISS underscore research on Twitter. Thank you so much for hanging out with the Women in Tech podcast. If you could answer Erin's dreams and make her dreams come true, definitely reach out to her on the socials <laughs> she provided. We'll also be including it in the show notes. I am so excited to have featured Erin on today's episode. Connect and collaborate with more incredible women in tech on the Women in Tech Facebook group at womenintechvip.com. Takes you straight there. Womenintechvip.com. Say hello on social at Women in Tech Show on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook. I will see you guys talk to you guys hear you guys in the next episode bye bye i am aaron winnick anthony i work as a science communication specialist for nasa which basically means i am the storyteller for all the science that happens aboard the international space station i am based in houston texas and you're listening to women in tech The Women in Tech podcast is hosted and produced by me, Esprit Devora, With help from Janice Geronimo. Edited by Corey Jennings. Production and voiceover by Adam Carroll. And music from Jay Huffman Live and Epidemic Sound. The Women in Tech podcast is a wearetech.fm production. Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener, go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes.